You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the newsroom to you live. Hello and welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm Dave Jorgensen, a video producer here at the Washington Post. My guest today is probably the world's most famous outdoorsman and adventurer, at least in my opinion, Bear Grylls. He has just come out with his new autobiography, Bear Grylls, Never Give Up, My Life in the Wild. He joins us now to talk about his book and his life of adventure. Welcome to Washington Post Live. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, nice to be with you. Thank you so much. And a reminder to our audience, we want you to join our conversation. So please tweet your questions and comments to the handle at Post Live. Okay, so Bear, I have a lot of questions. Uh, can I call you Bear, Mr. Grills? Which do you prefer? Yeah, no, of course, Bear. Don't be silly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, wonderful. Well, then I'm going to start with Bear because I understand you got that name from your sister at about a week old. Can you tell me a little bit about that? So I have an older sister who's... Um who's amazing, quite bossy, <laughs> always says she'd be I know much what that's better. like. <laughs> yeah, she always says she'd be much better <laughs> at being in the public eye than me. She said, Bear, you always hide away, which is probably true. Um, <laughs> but she decided when I was a kid that uh, that Edward, which is what I was christened, was that she goes, ah, oh, such a boring name. So that became <laughs> Teddy, Teddy Bear. And I was always much less, you know, extrovert than she was. And uh, you know, I used to think as a kid, oh, why can't I just be called a normal name? And I used to feel quite self-conscious going to school and stuff. But actually, you know what, I, I look back now and I think um, it's been a gift, served me well, it kind of works. And uh, and it's just always been bare, you know, to to everyone. So, yeah, uh, I should really I think that's... have something about wrestling or grizzly or something, but the reality <laughs> is much less spectacular. <laughs> I think that's a much more, much more wholesome, much more relatable. Uh, my older sister at one point decided my name was Pavel, which is for no reason. And she got everyone in high school to call me that. So I think Bear would have been a lot cooler. Uh, and also Bear Grylls, the first time I heard that name in my head, and not that you were trying to do a branding exercise, but it worked very well. And I think it really coincides with you as a person and just your sense of adventure. So I wanted to ask too, you know, maybe jumping ahead a couple of years to when you could walk. Uh, when did you start feeling this? This it seems like you have almost a drive to be outside and to be doing these things. When did that start happening? Do you do you have like an early memory of that? Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I look back now, and you know, as a kid growing up, like I said, I was I was quite sort of uh, shy. But one thing I always loved doing was doing adventures with my with my dad, and it, we were brought up on this little island off the south coast of the UK, and he'd been an ex he'd been a marine beforehand, and just loved, you know, taking me on loads of mini adventures. We're always climbing up the little sea cliffs where I lived, always tinkering around, making boats, always kind of figuring stuff out. And I think at a young age, it's, it's that I, it wasn't so much even the adventure. I just think I loved hanging out with him, you know, often literally on the end of, you know, off a cliff face or whatever, but it was my way of being close to him, I suppose. And, uh, and I think, subconsciously that's been a huge driver always in my life i love the bonds you create with people when you're on these expeditions when you're out in these sort of environments and i think the wild kind of strips us bare you get to know the real people and for me that's always been the magic you know from a young age my dad through the military stuff that i did through expeditions through to the man vs wild and the running wild and all the tv side of things you know it's always about the connections and the bonds you make with with great people in in wild and often difficult places. And I love that. 
I love that too. And, and I, the thing I've always gotten a sense of when watching the show, and I've watched it for many, many years and all the other iterations that you've had, um, is there's a sort of a sense of humor underneath it all as well within uh, the bond. And I, I feel like um, one thing that you're always really good at, and you mentioned this in the book a few times, is an icebreaker essentially. And that always kind of gets them loosened up. Can you tell me a little bit about that and the sort of maybe even just the strategy of, hey, I'm going to do this, you know, give the president a half-eaten fish and uh, you'll see what happens. Yeah, well, I think, first of all, I think running wild, is, is a, it's an intimidating thing for these stars to walk into. You know, they are rookies for anything like this. They are out of their comfort zone. They're, you know, in an environment they've often never been in before. And I'm very respectful of that. That's a scary thing for, for them to do. Uh, I think often they arrive with quite a lot of, you know, sometimes a bit of bravado, a bit of competitiveness. And, and I'm not like that as a person. I'm there to keep them alive, to make it fun and to empower them and, and make them the hero. You know, so I think what happens quite quickly is that they realize that I'm not kind of I'm not there to flex my muscles. I'm there to help them shine. And once they kind of get that, then everyone kind of relaxes a bit. But I think the wild is a great leveler. Ultimately, you know, it's. Uh, you know, it's always fun stuff, you know, very quickly, somebody's tripping over something or finding some <laughs> grub to eat or, you know, figuring out some crazy way of getting down something. And it's always, you know, the improvisation part of the journeys, I think, are what people, these stars often really enjoy, you know, even if they know the show, you know, even if they've watched a bunch of Running Wilds, they often kind of go, oh, wow, it really is just like you and a small crew and everyone's like, you know, carrying a camera and carrying some rope, we're gunning it and going, you know, and I think they're often surprised at that. And once they realize that and they kind of relax and they realize they don't have to perform, they can just have fun and, and go along for the journey. And you're going to face a few fears for sure. And there's going to be some hard moments. But essentially, I always want these journeys for people, whether it's a president or whoever, you want it to be fun. You know, you want it to be an empowering thing. And the wild does that job for me really well. I, I get the sense too, and, and for lack of a better term, almost a an entrepreneurial uh, aspect of you. Where I, I know you started the Mountaineering Club at Eaton College, where you went to school. Um, so it seems like this is a lifelong thing for you. We say, hey, we're going to take this crew of ten people out and do this, or or hey, in college, uh, we're going to start this club. Can you tell me a little bit about that uh, starting that club and if that sort of led into what your career became? Well, I think the, the honest thing is it was the only thing I was ever any good at growing up. You know, I wasn't the sports superstar or the cleverest person in the class. You know, you would have lost me in a crowd. But but I was always a kid that could climb the highest building and, you know, get up these things and figure out fun ways to do things. And, you know, that was just how I was as a kid. And I think if you'd said to me age seven that uh, I could have a job that essentially involved climbing up things, falling off things, being muddy outside, you know, I would have thought uh, I would have thought heaven, you know, so I suppose right. I just tried to stick at what I loved, what I was good at or OK at. Um, and my dad always used to say, you know, you've got to follow your dreams. You know, don't listen to the dream stealers. You're going to get along the way. You know, find what you love, what you're naturally OK at and, and follow it and try and be kind along the way and, and be resilient. You're going to have some difficult moments. Life is just like that. And that was kind of life in a nutshell. I think for for him and for me growing up, um, you know, he'd been a Marine. I think for me, the aspiration was that I did want to join the military. I wanted to do it slightly differently. I wanted to join as a as a soldier rather than as an officer. Uh, 
I wanted to try for the British Special Forces, which I suppose as a teenager, I thought maybe that's one better than my dad as a Marine and maybe I can push it a bit. Um, <laughs> one up him. <laughs> and and he, was, he was amazing. You know, he, he really encouraged me to kind of go for things. Everest was a big dream of ours growing up, you know, because we climbed a lot together. But I do kind of look back and I think I wonder if that Everest dream really would have just stayed a dream if I hadn't then had that accident I had when I was in the military. And I think mm -hmm. sometimes it takes a knock in life to make you realize what you really want to go for and actually to to go for it, you know. Right. Well, I can say with full confidence, having read uh, a few of your books, including the new one, but also watching your show that uh, you're you're more than OK at a lot of things. So uh, if you needed to hear that, <laughs> it's pretty clear. Right. Uh, <laughs> I don't I don't. <laughs> Not only do I not actually feel like that, um, I, I really think the truth is I'm, I'm pretty mediocre at a lot of this stuff. You know, I hang out with, you know, amazing kind of uh, skydivers and climbers and survivalists and all this stuff all the time. I think the more I've done of it, the more I've realized actually I'm kind of I'm OK. I'm a sort of a jack of many things. I can do a little bit of most of it. But um, the world is full of amazing, talented people. I think I had much more confidence in my ability when I started out, you know, but um, I've also realized in life that that's okay. You know, life doesn't say you have to be the best. You just got to kind of give your best and be resilient. And, and like the book says, you know, never give up, you know, go through the storms, get back on your feet, be persistent, be grateful, you know, know that you've, uh, you know, all of us stand on the shoulders of a few giants. And I've definitely had a few great people in my life who've helped me so much. Um, yeah. yeah, like I said, Definitely not the best at at, very, at, at anything, actually, you know. Well, again, I, I, I'll challenge you on that, but we, we could do that all day. Uh, I don't think I'm going to break you. Um, one thing you do say in the book that I found very relatable as well uh, is uh, in you have much more experience than I do. But when the record button is on the camera, there's something about you that you're able to just kind of turn on and, and just do it. I think you also mentioned that, you know, the outside is uh, the outdoors rather is is your home turf especially as it related to uh, having a, you know, an active uh, president on the show. Can you tell me more about that and what it is as someone who maybe grew up a little more introverted and, and suddenly you have the show and is it just about being out there in the natural, in your element uh, that feels, it makes it a little bit easier for you? Well, uh, I think it's been the, the constant struggle for me through my career is that I, I, I actually really struggle with the cameras. I, I find it, find it really awkward having a camera point in my face. I mean, you only have to ask our crew. They go, but you're a nightmare. You know, you'll never <laughs> take such stuff. You're always trying to dodge it. I'm cameraman's go, I'm trying to find you. And you're trying to, you know, but there's been a sort of a tension there, professional tension that I think looking back probably hasn't been a bad thing. You know, I right. remember when the first time I was ever asked to do Man vs. Wild, it was a UK producer that came to me and He'd read this book I'd written on Everest. I'd just left the military. I was starting out. We were just married as a young couple, figuring out kind of life. And um, and this producer came to me and he said, well, what could we do the show where we drop you in the middle of nowhere? And uh, and you show us how to get out of there. You know, I've read your book. I know your background and, and, and just show us some of this stuff. And I was like really sort of, I kept saying no. You know, TV wasn't my thing. I didn't really understand it. I was busy doing the expeditions, trying to raise money for the trips, doing some talks on it, writing, you know. And the idea of TV was just outside of what I knew. So uh, three times I said no. Eventually, my wife, who's much smarter, she goes, well, why don't you just try it? You know, you never know. You might like it. And we uh -huh. went just small team. We went to the Rockies. We 
spent you know a week charging around the mountains jumping off things you know shooting through the white water rapids chasing snakes having a having a blast never really kind of thought about it the cameraman early on just said you don't need to present anything you just go ahead and we'll film it and it it's always kind of felt like that and they they discovery put it out late at night one night no marketing and and the timing was right and it's a bit of luck on our side and it kind of worked and and um you know that was the start of the journey and i look back now and i think now i know how competitive that industry is how you know how, how people fight and desperately sort of you know have tv shows and and i think first of all there's a giant of a man the person who you know even though i said no three times he persisted and stuck with right, me right i was given many many other breaks when the shows you know could have ended and discovery channel used to joke that i was the only one of their hosts who was always trying to quit after a season you know and i used to go listen we've had an amazing time it's been a great ride i've almost died a couple of times but you know i think we'll call it a day and they go no bet we it's good it's working we've got to keep going and and now i have an understanding of that and a gratitude for that but um yeah yeah it's been it's been a, it's been a crazy journey and and that's what i try to articulate in the book really the those kind of moments the behind the scenes of stuff those sort of struggles and those tensions and those battles but actually how ultimately if, if you've got great people with you who believe in you and and you're willing to go through and be resilient at key times you know those things count for a lot yeah i think that's and i think that approach is really healthy whether or not you know even even if you went into a little bit ignorant about how all this works that's what makes what made the show so good and still makes anytime you're on camera uh, authentic. Uh, and one thing you also address in the book, and you kind of just touched on there, is your family. Uh, before you went to go shoot uh, the episode with then President Obama, there was this whole issue of uh, this is our this is our precious time together. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, that that balance, that work life balance with your family through the years? Yeah, I think um, you know. So we started this journey TV. Then we then we had kids together, and and I think the early days of Man vs. Wild, I was like. I felt run ragged, you know, I was dragged everywhere and we were shooting and we were back for like chat shows. It was like, I always felt I had no control. And I think ultimately that was why I said, hold on, I'm going to stop. I want to do this on our own terms. I want to stop producing the shows, making it, fitting it into our family life. Otherwise you end up just kind of spent and your family suffers. And, you know, as I said, we had young kids at the time and, you know, now we're in a really fortunate position where we can control these things and we can, you know, do it on our own terms. But there was definitely a battle to get to that stage. But um, but I think the Obama stuff happened at a time where we just wrestled about that control. You know, we're super protective of our family time. When we're not filming, uh, we try and sort of block off certain times of the year. We'd done that. We were up on a little island that we uh, spend a lot of the year on up in, in Wales in the UK, offshore, off-grid, a couple of miles in the middle of the... <laughs> you know, windy, rainy, Welsh sea. And um, and we, we go there every year and we just try and take a few weeks out and off grid, off phones, off everything. So we were there. And then uh, and then the call came, which, which is pretty rare. Normally we're always reaching out to people. This is one of the only times really where, um, you know, somebody's approached us and said, can you get, um, can you get our guy on the show? And it was obviously, it was a White House. I thought it was a pretty big guy. Spook. I didn't believe it, you know, <laughs> yeah. I kind of, and they said, look, he's a fan of Running Wild. The president's going to Alaska. He wants to see some of the climate change realities close up. Could you, could you show, could you, could you lead him on a Running Wild and show him a bit of that? So it all happened pretty quickly. It was a huge privilege, a, a good fun show. 
opened the door to many other sort of adventures. And we ended up taking the Prime Minister of India and, you know, a whole bunch of iconic uh, people on it since. But I think that was a special one for me, just the fact that President Obama was sitting president at the time. Uh, normally, we always say, look, come on your own, no entourage, <laughs> trust us, uh, you're going to have a great time. That wasn't obviously going to wash with the president, but um, but it was amazing. Anyway, just to finish, finish the story, I said to Shara, I said, we got to do this one. You know, and she said, but it's our family time. I said, I know, but it's the president. we got to go. Uh, and and <laughs> well, we went to, and it was, yeah. And you did go. Fun. And, I, I, and did. I would love to. I, think, I mean, yeah. she's very grounded, my wife, and she's pretty unimpressed by the, the fluff and the kind of glitz around stuff. And um. And even the president, I think at one point she said, do you, do you not think he could come to Wales? And I was going, honey, I love this. Listen, this one we got to do. <laughs> we got to do. Oh, I want to I show that. And you did do it. And, you, and again, I, I refer people to the book where the just barely getting there in time was a whole other adventure. But uh, the president himself has his own challenges, of course. And he had been president uh, at that point for a few years and a total of eight. Uh, he seemed a little, bit of nerv a little bit nervous, though, about showing off your culinary skills. Uh, let's take a look at this clip when he was on your show. Alaska is a land of bear and salmon. We haven't got bear. Oh, look at this. But, look at this. And now this is for real. I found this on the riverbank, okay? So don't freak out too much. I think the president looked a little surprised when I pulled out this sort of bloody carcass of half-eaten salmon. This was half-eaten by a bear. Now, why wouldn't the bear finish this sucker? Well, because... This looks like a nice-looking piece of fish. Yeah, but, but what, if you notice, what they've had is all the high-fat content, the eggs. Bit of the skin, they'll often take the brain as well. If there's a lot of fish in the river, they'll leave the meat because they want that high density, calorific value fat. Interesting. So a bear has chewed on this sucker. Yeah, but we're going to cook it up, so it's going to be good. All right. I've seen some of the things bear eats. I think uh, a piece of salmon, that'll work just fine. Oh, I heard a little sizzle there. Yeah, that's Yeah. The fact that he told me that this was a leftover fish from a bear, I don't know if that was necessary. He could have just left that out. I think one of my favorite parts about that clip is you're describing, you know, here's why the bear ate this part, but he's just like, so a bear ate it? <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that's uh, another great part of the book where you're talking about, it, it's really easy for me to imagine, but I'm sure I'm remember I'm thinking of it the wrong way, but I just imagined a, a chef with the hat on even, uh, again, that's not how you describe it, but you're basically saying there was a salmon that was being prepared to swap out just in case, but ultimately the president did eat that salmon. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, we'd found this carcass the day before when we'd been scouting the route. And I said, this is perfect. We can use this to eat. You know, it's the bears had a bunch of it, but the rest is fine. And the Secret Service looked at me and went, nah, there's no way he's going to be eating that. He never even drinks on camera. He's not going to be eating on camera. I said, well, listen, I'm going to put it in the backpack. I'm going to have it and we'll just play it by ear. Uh, then they said, look, we'll get the, we'll get the White House chef to um, prepare a salmon. So if he does want to eat it, we've got one prepared and we can swap it in. I said, OK, whatever. And, uh, and I noticed all through the journey, there was a guy, you know, carrying this kind of silver platter wrapped in, you know, in kitchen film and, you know, ready to go. And I thought, I thought, brilliant. You know, we started cooking the thing and, and behind the camera, I could see the chef going, you know, eat, eat, ready, ready to swap it in. And I thought, I'm not going to. I'm not going to suggest it unless the president really wants it, you know. So we cooked up this carcass, you know, the legit one. And, uh, and I started giving it to the president and he started munching and we were sharing a, 
the you know thing of water flask of water and i can see the chef going like this behind the scenes the secret <laughs> service going like this but you know good for him and i think like i said at the beginning yeah the wild is always a real star of these shows because it does so much of my job for me it, it relaxes people you're not you're not like in a job interview any longer you know you're two guys or whoever just out there and you know what it's like you know you go for a walk with someone or, or go hiking or camping there's a different there's a there's a pace that allows you to kind of get rid of the formality and, and get to the real stuff quicker um right and he was totally well, credited. he was totally on for that he was great and and of course you know he had an abbreviated version than probably most celebrities on the show but a few of them you really get quite a bit of time with so i want to ask you if you can kind of potentially rate the adventure skills of a couple other celebrities, you know, we have Julia Roberts, tennis star, Roger Federer. Um, at one point in the book that you mentioned that Nick Jonas, like really went into it. Can you tell me kind of who was really great and maybe who wasn't so great? Well, you know, we've done, we've done seven seasons now of running wild. There've been some amazing stars. You know, we do that. We've done them in China. We've done that. We do Indian stars. We've done UK versions of running wild. So yeah, it's been, it's been a great privilege. I think what, what I've learned is that is that these guys are often really willing to be out of their comfort zone and make themselves look vulnerable. And that's quite rare. You know, normally when people kind of do well, they kind of retreat into what they're safe with. But I think such a mark of champions in whatever field they're in is that they're willing, they like to be pushed. They like to stay, keep a bit of that edge to keep uncomfortable a little bit. And I think that's what keeps all of us sharp. And I see that with them, you know, Julia Roberts or Roger Federer, as you say, they don't need to go on a running wild. They, they don't need the money. They don't need the fame. They're doing it because they want the experience and they want to kind of be challenged and pushed a little bit. And I really kind of respect that. I think I've also learned don't judge a book by their cover just because you think, you know, it might be an actress and they're tiny and petite and, you know, don't, you know, don't get lulled into that one. Often they're the toughest, the baddest ass. Speaking and, of older sisters, that's. I learned that as well. <laughs> you, know, you and me know that one, but um, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, all of those stars you mentioned have have been amazing, and and I, I honestly I can't think of a running wild where I've ended thinking that was a nightmare. All those people were were you know difficult. You know, invariably they're there because they want to be there, and I come away thinking, wow, you know. And you, the bit I love is just seeing that light in their eyes at the end. You know, when they've had to face a few fears, they've they've got cold and wet, and they're you know they're sometimes big stars and they're not used to it. I mean, even Roger Federer, I remember him just going, bear, we need my hands. What do I do? They're shaking. And it's like, it's good. You're, 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 you're almost there. Keep pushing. You've got cold hands. You're going to live. And it was like, you know, I think people almost sort of expect, you know, a drink of water here or, you know, another set of gloves here or something. And I think that kind of stripping back and actually, I always say to them, you're going to have a few times where you're, you know, where you're up against it, but you're going to be okay. We'll, we'll push through. We'll do it together. And, um, and that's kind of the the heart of it and, and the magic as well. And that's what gives the light in the eye at the end that says, you know, I've, I've had to work for this a little bit. Absolutely. And we see that with one actor in particular I'm thinking of who, as you talked about, was vulnerable and put himself out there and did it. Now he's literally Captain America, the Marvel movies. But uh, before that, he was on your program. That's actor Anthony Mackie. Well, let's take a look at the fun you guys were having there. This 200 foot cliff face makes for a dangerous rappel. The near vertical walls and loose rock leave no solid footholds, so this descent will put our upper body strength to the test. This will be Anthony's first big challenge, and unlike his movies, there's no stunt double or special effects to help him. Let's bring you down here. Oh, okay. 
So oh, this man. is what you want to get your hand on to. Okay. Bear's trying to throw me off a mountain. Oh, I'm going full-time cruise. I thought this was going to be a lot easier. This is why I have stuntmen. Oh, man. Oh, man. Holy So I think the tricky bit is going to be like drops into a bit yeah, more of an The entire thing is the tricky bit. <laughs> a nice wide stance. Yeah. Use your feet as much as you can. <laughs> so <laughs> when people are looking at that clip, under, understandably, Anthony Mackie is uh, pretty scared. I love the line about uh, this is why I have stuntman. But, you know, he, he goes through with it. He gets that glit in the eye at the end that you're talking about. Uh, has there ever been a time a celebrity said, hey, you know, I'm not doing this or maybe we can do an abbreviated version? Uh, has that ever happened? Yeah, I think, that, <laughs> first of all, Anthony, what a, what a great guy. And you never really know. Sometimes people... I've done a bit of this and they kind of, you know, they have more experience and, and you never really know people's kind of skill levels. So I always think it's a bit like a, you know, a stretchy band. You you got to kind of, you're going you know, to adjust a little bit on the hoof as you're going and you can, you know, kind of amend it accordingly. And there's thing is, there's always another way down something. It's always, you know, if, I'm, if I see they're really struggling, it's going to be too much there. We'll, we'll bend left and we'll find another little valley to go down that way. And, you know, we know our start point and end point and, and the rest we kind of figure out a little bit. But I do think in the early days, we, we really kind of almost went too hard, I think, with a lot of guests. And because it came, Running Wild came off the back of Man versus Wild which was kind of me on my own. And we'd spend, you know, five, six days out there shooting an episode. And I remember our first guest was Will Ferrell. Uh, and he got the full experience. He basically came and joined me for a man versus wild. It almost broke him. He was out there for day <laughs> after day. And, and we learned on that. Like, you know, you, you're not there to break people. You're there to pe give people a great time and get to know their story and hear their story. And, and, um, and, and we got shorter and shorter over the years and made it more and more accessible and fun for people. But I definitely think that some of the early ones, you know, I'll always be grateful to the Will Ferrells, the Jake Gyllenhaal, some of those early ones where, you know, we were in, out there for days and days in horrific conditions often. But um, but now, you know, we do so many, we've got to keep them alive, got to keep it fun. We can't have every Hollywood star going back, going, never do that if you're ever asked, it's a nightmare. So we, we try and focus as much on the fun. I mean, the wild, like I say, does the job. The wild is challenging. It's, you're in a desert jungle mountain. If you're a rookie, it's going to be super hard already, you know, so I'm pretty respectful of that. Yeah, I, well, first of all, Will Ferrell's a great first guest to have on that show. Uh, it sort of feels like you're doing punked, but everyone's in on it, and they just get there and they go, oh, no, this is real. Um, and uh, so I, I love that show. Uh, you've done, of course, Man vs. Wild, Running Wild, like you said, uh, this book that's coming out. And I just want to know what's next for you. Is there an upcoming adventure that you've always wanted to take, but you haven't done yet? Yeah, you know, life is uh, life's a great privilege and you've got to keep keep those goals and keep, you know, keep pushing the boundaries as much as you can. We're just starting off the next season of Running Wild now. So we're back on the road for those. I just got back from the jungle from the last one. We had a couple of great guests on that. We're doing more for Netflix. We do an interactive uh, You versus Wild uh, series for them. And uh, yeah, so back on that, doing a lot of, um, I do a lot of the kind of speaking as well, speaking on kind of leadership and teamwork. So we fit those in for companies in between it. Never Give Up, though, was a real kind of, you know, it took me 10 years to write that. I wanted to write every word. I didn't want it to be ghostwritten. It's all the struggles. It's all the doubts. It's all the fears. And I wanted it to be a, a book for this time where I think people need this spirit of 
resilience and, 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 you know, have that never give up spirit. I think it's been especially tough for young people and many people around the world. It continues to this day, new challenges. And, uh, and I think more and more in life, we realize the things that make the difference aren't just your exam grades or your, you know, letters after your name. You know, it's much more about this. This is where life is. So um, it was always going to be called Never Give Up. But I'm really proud of it. I'm grateful, Dave, for your kindness and, and your words. But thank you for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it is it really is a page turner. I, I mean, like I, I I wouldn't just say this. I really wouldn't. You don't know me, but it's true. Uh, and I, I was you know, I think what I like about it is it's really they're short chapters, but they're flying through and they all just kind of weave into each other perfectly. Um, and there's just a wide variety of ventures. So, for instance, one of them, you're in Siberia in December. And just getting there is hard enough. So I, I wanted to ask you one last question. Is there ever an adventure that you were like, I don't think we can do that? <laughs> well, there have been a few. <laughs> it's, you know, it's the honest answer. And there have been a few times where I thought, how the hell have I got myself into this scrape? You know, And I've learned over a lifetime in the wild, you only get it wrong once. You know, you have to leave your ego at home. You've got to be smart. You've got to listen to your intuition. You know, What do they say? Instinct is a nose of the mind. You know, you've got to trust that. And um, and yes, you know, listen, Siberia in wintertime, that was a tough one. We've had the Sahara Desert in, in the heat of the summer, more jungles, deserts, mountains, than I can shake a stick at, being bitten by snakes, chased by sharks, close encounters with saltwater crocodiles, pinned in rapids, caught in avalanches, parachute failures. They've all taught me the simple lesson. Number one, don't be an idiot, you know, be smart. Number two, always be grateful for life. And number three, when you're up against it, never give up <laughs> those are all uh, equally important to me i'm gonna i'm gonna really run with the first one and try not to be an idiot as we wrap this up bear grills thank you so much for joining me again this is the book bear grills never give up my life in the wild throw it out there for you again thank you so much bear i appreciate you joining us today thanks guys you take care what well on dave thanks for listening for more information on our upcoming programs go to washingtonpostlive.com